Treason makes for the fourth action thriller international spy series that we've reviewed this month after Echo 3, The Recruit, and Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan. The show is set in England, present day, in a fictional emergency where the chief of MI6 is poisoned, leaving Adam Lawrence, Charlie Cox, in the difficult position of tracking down a terrorist, running the agency, and keeping his family alive. You're listening to today's episode. canceled or like why is charlie cox coming back with a different show actually no king got renewed right that's what i thought i remember this is supposed to be a limited series however there's been so much talk online even though it literally is under the label limited series about a gain of possible second season so i've only seen one episode i can't tell you if it's going to get another season well the show is short it's only five episodes so okay i understand there's no cliffhanger all the stories get like solved so why do people want another season if there's no cliffhanger it was strange to me because a lot of reviews are pointing out that even though it was a limited series it seemed like the show was trying to set up right. for a second season maybe we're getting too far ahead because we're only doing the review on the first episode that's all i know about let's get into it we have charlie cox the nunchuck crusader he's returning but this time he has a british accent which i was surprised to learn is actually his actual voice yeah yeah he's english i didn't know that he does such a good job in daredevil <laughs> and they also shot it in london and i think neighboring next to it kent not super surprised everybody in the cast seemed like they were british except for maybe dd uh okay so adam lawrence he's mi6's deputy chief that's like second in command um and he and the weird thing about it is he introduces himself as mi6 but i looked it up and mi6 is now referred to as sis Secret Intelligence Service. You say he introduces himself as a like voiceover narration or? No, so, okay, we get this quick scene at the very beginning, which is a flash forward that they never go back to really, which is a sniper outside of his house about to shoot his kid. But we're gonna skip over that because it really begins Right, because it him... starts in media ruse though, right? In media res, like in the in middle. media of... ruse? No. Sure, the, the thing is though, it doesn't matter. Like that part never gets referred to again. We ju- There's a different cliffhanger at the end of the show that takes precedence. Right. So he is in front of a classroom. Basically, his kid has brought him to uh, bring your dad to work day. And he's discussing his job. And he says, I'm part of MI6. And this is what I do. And he's giving (laughs) these kids the lowdown on that. And, uh, you know, the last show that concentrated on MI6, I thought was Slow Horses. But I was wrong. That was actually MI5. And I didn't know there was a difference between MI5 and MI6 because I'm I'm not British. I've seen this compared to... And it's the to difference s- between NSA and CIA. Right, because I've seen this compared to Slow Horses, 24, Homeland, The Recruit, mostly. Yeah, but Slow Horses and MI5 deal with domestic uh, terrorism investigations, basically things that happen in-country, while MI6 is more of an international foreign affairs thing okay. that also deals in country. So it's, so it's so bigger. It's bigger. And I didn't even know which one James Bond falls into because I wanted to know. It's MI6, right? I thought it was, but then I saw a bunch of conflicting reports online. There are reports, uh, fictional like things saying that he belonged actually to MI5. Like it was just a back and forth. It, it, huh. I guess maybe it depends on the movie that he's in. Probably. Yeah, they're often conflated, so not that big a deal. But he's, uh, Charlie Cox's character, Adam, is part of MI6, the bigger one. And uh, then we get this cut to Bow Bridges. British Bow Bridges, it's not actually him. His name is Sir Martin Angelus, and he's dining with the president of the Supreme Court. Now, if that sounds strange, it's because in the U.S., we obviously have a chief justice of the Supreme Court, but also 
he, he they refer to him as the senior law lord, which sounds <laughs> it sounds like so a, uppity. Like a Lord of the Rings or something, Game of Thrones. It does not sound like that to me. It sounds just like the most pretentious way of putting anybody in command. But he's got this powerful position in the government with lots of responsibilities. And what is Sir Martin Angelus doing to president of the Supreme Court? He is blackmailing him. He's got this file that shows the the guy um, with his mistress getting her an illegal visa. I guess it wasn't enough that he was having an affair anymore. So he sets up dinner reservations. At this fancy restaurant. It's like a club restaurant. In the middle of the day, he pulls out this report and he's like, I'm going to keep this out of the news for you. Oh, wait, wait. But do you, I thought you said he was blackmailing him. Yeah, but he's saying, by doing that, you owe me. Oh, okay. Down the line. And then... That basically finishes their conversation. The president of the Supreme Court leaves, and then Sir Martin Angelus celebrates with a shot of whiskey and then has a heart attack. <laughs> Wait, he dies right there? No, he doesn't die. He was actually poisoned. And we saw this from the other angle, too. We saw the this girl named Kara. That's We learn her late name later. But she is kind of a terrorist. She has snuck her way into the waiting staff, doused his drink with a toxin, presented it to him, he swigs it down and immediately has that heart attack. She gets out of there, jumps into her getaway car with this other dude. They drive a little bit and he's no baby driver. He's not able to like evade things. So he immediately like hits a Postmates guy, like just a delivery bicyclist. And then he gets out and he's like, oh my God, what have I done? But then she pulls him back into the car. Yeah, Yeah, they got to go. They just conducted terrorism. So they got to (laughs) leave. And then Adam, obviously he's in that classroom. And we find out at this point that Sir Martin Angelus, the one who had the heart attack, yeah. was actually the chief of the, the top dog at MI6. So now Adam is the top dog. Well, in other words, they tell Adam at the school, like the Secret Service comes in and they're like, hey, we have a... It was basically like George Bush during 9-11. I was going to say. Yeah. Okay. And so it turns out once Adam is shuffled from the school to his, uh, I guess, office he's got this whole new role and they immediately have to like get him through all the different um, bureaucratic, you know, like, st- like he, this is your new executive assistant. They this is your chief down. of staff. Um, here's your new laptop. We're going to put biometric linking of your fingerprints and your, it wasn't of his fingerprints. They made a big deal about it being his ECG, his electrocardiogram, mm-hmm. his uh, heart, that no computer could hack that or no hacker could hack that. So that's the only way he can log into his computer. And then I looked it up online and yes, you can hack those, but it didn't matter for the sake of the show. You can't, it also had kind of a clunky 3D model human avatar spinning as he was like putting his his, uh, ECG (laughs) in, which looked very much from the 90s or from like an early Mission Impossible film. So how far into the episode are we? Like 10 minutes? Only a few minutes. I mean, it's gone gone by pretty quickly. And uh, he's, he's kind of flustered. So he calls his wife, who is a physical therapist, and she is also an ex-vet. I guess they were all from the army at some point. And then uh, he also calls the prime minister, first time they've spoken. Um, and then he also calls the NATO like security officer. Because again, MI6 international pool. And when the top guy goes down, he has to convince everybody everything's okay. Right. Yeah. So then he goes to like the situation room, but for MI6. So it's all these, they're not army sergeants, but they're people in charge of different securities at, in the UK who are all, who are all kind of gunning for his job but at the same time not sure if like they can yet because uh, <laughs> because the guy's not dead who who he's replacing um, and it's just a very confusing um, back and forth whether or not he can run the agency yet because he's pretty young still like he's in his early 40s so 
there's a question of experience. And how, how old was the person who had the heart attack? It was like 60. Um, yeah, so the first question is, what do we know about this lady terrorist who poisoned or uh, gave this guy a toxin? And uh, where is she? And there's no CTV footage or any cameras that picked her up or the guy she was driving with. Uh, so they're first like, is this the Russians? Is this Iran? And uh, then they hear about the hit and run. And apparently the bicyclist had caught the name tag or the uh, li license plate. And so they were able to run that and figure out who the guy was who had sold it. And then the other guy who had picked it up was the one that she was with, this Thomas Keegan dude. And Thomas and Kara at this point have gone to a garage and uh, she has this indistinguishable European accent. So like you can't tell right off the bat where she's from. Yeah. And uh, she walks to a canal with a boat and gets into the boat. And in the boat, she's like tapped into the MI6 headquarters like their computer system. Yeah. So Thomas's face is on her monitor. So she knows that he is already blown. His cover's been so, blown. So, so, like I said, so she walks onto a boat. Her boat in the canal. And it's already She's in already the set MI6 it up. Like, database. Yeah. Apparently, they didn't update their McAfee software or those ECG like <laughs> tests that they were so sure about weren't as <laughs> secure as they thought. This is a huge government organization, and yet somehow she's able to just like connect I feel to their, like if you're their going, stream, if, and they're not able to tell that she's even in there. If you're going to make a show, I feel like you can't just be like, oh, she's suddenly in the MI6 like database. You have to show how... Credibility went out the window at this point, because I was just like, that's impossible. <laughs> There's no way they wouldn't know that there was at least a hacker yeah. that had gotten in, in, in touch with their <laughs> stuff. However, she goes back, kills Thomas. She's like, I'm... Just, no loose ends, you know? Okay. She gives him the same whiskey drink. He downs it, doesn't even realize. And then he's like, oh, shit. <laughs> Thomas is dead. And then Adam, instead of following up on any of his leads, decides he can't miss family dinner. He's got to get back there with his new, like, security staff, the PPO, the personal protection officers. Mm -hmm. And he's got to explain everything to everybody. And uh, it's it, even though it's an emergency, he's like, I got to go home. So he talks to his wife. He talks to his son, Callum, uh, who's like nine, and his daughter, Ella, and she's very concerned. She's like, she's 14, and she's like, are, are we going to be safe? All that stuff. And this is just the new normal for them, you know? Okay. Yeah, it actually reminds me a little bit of Your Honor, where it was like, I mean, different circumstances, but... Uh, it's almost Brian. like they're in witness protection, but at the same time, they're going to public school. It's, it's yeah. strange. And then why was the show called Treason? At this point, I'm questioning, like, who's the <laughs> bad guy here? Why... Who's going to turn? Is it the main character? It's probably the main character, but why? He seems like he's legit. Um, Sir Martin Angelus wakes up from his coma. Okay. So it's like Good Sam, where the person who was in charge of the hospital in that case was her dad. And then she took over for him while he was in a coma. Yeah. And he was upset when, when, when he found out. Unlike this show where Sir Martin Angelus wakes up and he's like, oh, good. They put the guy in my second command in charge. So he has a conversation with Charlie Cox's Adam Lawrence character and says, don't trust anyone. <laughs> it's the middle of an election season. Everything is chaos. Uh, everybody's going to be gunning for you just because you're inexperienced and young. But don't worry about it. You're going to do fine. I mean, you said that that was what that scene was like when they were in the, the room, right? With all the different like leaders and generals that they were trying to go. Yeah. For the, and then later on, they also questioned his like logic to how he was able to exploit a, uh, a terrorist uh, attack or bomb. And uh, he's just like, 
because that's how I run things. And he just he just dismisses it. By the end, you can tell that he has uh, got other things to worry about because he sees these books on Sir Martin's bedside. And Sir Martin's like, thanks for the books. And I'm like, I didn't give you no books. And he reads the books, he takes a picture of it, undoes the code of the titles to find a GPS location. I think he's done this before. That's what, what we were okay. like to believe. Yeah. Um, and so then he goes up to a rooftop. He loses his own security detail. They never show us that, but I assume that's what happened because he's there alone. He goes up on the rooftop and Kara appears. And so you're like, oh no, has he been working with her the whole time? And they give you a few like 30 seconds worth of like, oh man, he's been evil this whole time. But but apparently he hasn't. He just recognizes her. They've worked together in the past. She's an ex-SVO. I don't know where that's from. Or an informant. Like she's given him uh, help in the past with other cases. So... Adam thinks that she's there to give him more info as to who would have poisoned uh, <laughs> his boss. However, he doesn't put two and two together thinking, well, she fits the description of the lady who would have poisoned. <laughs> Sounds like the Americans, where it's like there was all these hints and it turns out that they're just living next door to Stan. I, I guess, yeah, but she wasn't like a two-face agent. She's more just like, she comes out and reveals that she's not playing around. Basically, she says that I've given you all the intel pieces that you've ever used to break any of your cases and advance in MI6. I've worked hard to get you to your position right now. And she starts listing off all these different sources that she was actually behind, like some puppet tier master, you know? And okay. so then he gets mad and leaves. <laughs> Wait, that's it. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't want to hear anymore. He's out of there. He doesn't even send anybody like a rust or anything. He's just like, okay. And then we get a cutscene to this other team of like uh, special ops people. Dee Dee is in command and they seem to be Americans because that's her accent and they're there to spy and their target is Adam and so maybe they're trying to kill Adam I don't know yet but Dee Dee is also ex-military and she says I have an errand to run she goes and visits uh Adam's wife at work at the physical therapy thing and Maddie knows her they were colleagues or they worked together and they were friends and so she's like so how's it going with your marriage and stuff like that so she's spying on her friend's husband because that's actually her target and Maddie is just an open book she's spilling the beans like just saying everything that she and later on it gets even worse but so everyone is connected basically to something well there's someone. there's basically three different there's Kara's like terrorism going on there's Adam in his new role and then there's this Dee Dee and her team of targets who I think are the ones who are in the first scene who are like about to shoot him mm. um, or shoot his son so Adam goes to watch another play with his family it's another family time scene they spend too much time with the family for such an emergency that's happening. Like this is the opposite of the 24 effect where Jack Bauer leaves at the beginning and we 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 only see the family through their own lens. Like he never goes to visit them unless they're in an emergency. Or a phone call. Yeah. yeah. Um, so he gets a call from Kara and she says, there's this boat bomb that's going to go off tomorrow if you don't help me. And uh, he's like, okay, fine, I'll help you. Where's the boat bomb? And she gives him like an address to go to after the play. And so he takes his family there after the play and nonchalantly goes in and pretends to stay, stay in a music store. Maddie gets really suspicious at this because he's like staring at a record for a really long time <laughs> um, and spills that all to Dee Dee. And then Dee Dee gives her like a spy pen to uh, to listen in, like something you'd see in one of those old James Bond thing that just yeah. uh, records for a long time. And then Kara, in return for the details to stop the bomb threat, which ended up being real, uh, it was like a nail bomb that some Russians were going to set off in, in some boat. Uh, she wants this file from Afghanistan, the Baku file from 2007. 
And the real question here is if Kara is so omniscient that she's able to like put together and, and puppeteer Adam's entire career and she has the intelligence to like bust bomb threats at any women call, how could she not get her hands on this file for that long? Like that's how long she's been preparing just to get that one file. And it doesn't make any sense because it seems like with her abilities and her track record of being able to hack into the system already, why doesn't she just search it up? Like it doesn't yeah, seem, think, yeah. it seems like there would have been an easier way and that she would have already found out what she wanted. So then Ella, Adam's uh, daughter, she decides she's going to leave school early, lose her detail and is immediately followed by, I assume, Dee Dee's people. But Adam thinks that it's actually Kara's people, um, even though I don't think Kara has too many other workers after she killed Thomas. So I it, Ella gets kidnapped at the end of the episode and we're left with just a lot of questions about like, is Adam going to turn over this Baku file? Because I think he was in Afghanistan in 2007. I think that's part of the twist is that he may have been the reason that she is ultimately like Kara may find out that Adam was part of the Baku thing and then want to kill him. I don't know. It, it just seems like everything very convoluted. Says from the summary. Yeah, very convoluted. Do you want it or what would you give it first off? Six, probably. Oh, too so much, it still passes. Yeah, too much time on the family. It's fun to see Charlie Cox uh, hanging out. And um, it is funny also because so many of the scenes in Daredevil, he's wearing the thick glasses where you can't see his eyes yeah. or his mask. And when he doesn't, he's always looking past people when he's talking to them. Yeah. And so in the when you're watching this show, if you're so used to seeing him in Daredevil and he doesn't do that or it, the brief seconds where he does, but just because it's like natural, when he does do it in that natural <laughs> sense, you're immediately brought back to the Daredevil thing. And you're like, oh, of course, he's not looking at anybody. I don't know. I got so caught up in like where his eye plays. No, I, I had the same kind of idea when I was watching Kin as a 6.1 on IMDb, around a thousand reviews, 80 percent on Ron Tomatoes. But the Hollywood Reporter like gave it, it, it said that it was probably more of a C plus version of 24 and they also bashed the opening saying that there wasn't enough like intrigue for people to want to really figure out where the story was, was heading adam and maddie his his wife having an argument which they also showed that she was his the stepmom of the kids i don't know why that matters but anyways they're having an argument the sniper looks like it's aiming towards adam and then it turns toward his kid who just walks out of the house with a teddy bear and it just it's kind it's kind of dumb um and, and then they don't go back to it yeah i mean uh, the guardian gave it three out of five they said it's a pretty good ride but said the brevity of the episodes actually hurt it which is a rare case but mm. that's what they felt like and then the independent awarded two out of five stars saying that uh they titled it treason review for a show about intelligence this netflix spy saga is sadly lacking any the things I took away from it were there were lots of people that I feel like I've seen before, but I couldn't place them from where, especially the Bo Bridges guy. Like, I'm sure that he's more famous, like he's got his own Wikipedia filmography page, but I just, I wasn't sure who it was. And there's lots of quid pro quo and there's uh, Sir Martin who blackmails the uh, leader of the Supreme Court with the president of the Supreme Court. And then Kara later on when she's blackmailing Adam, it just seems to be a recurring thing. But overall, my biggest complaint is definitely Kara seeming too omniscient, like too capable in the in the situation that she's in. There's yeah. no way that one person would be able to do all that she is doing and then yet not be able to do the thing that she's wanting to achieve at the end, which is just get her hands on a file. It seems like they're trying to build her to be like this huge like mastermind 
Usually, but, uh, usually when you have a mastermind in the back, you don't see them for like the first episode from the first episode. But she seemed even nervous when she was like dousing the the drink to to hurt the guy. So I don't know. She she went back and forth in my head of whether or not she was a really big villain or or maybe a tinier one. I don't know if she's even maybe she wants to be a good guy, but she killed Thomas in such a drastic. Uh, evil way that I, I don't see how they could redeem that. The shows it may, reminded me mostly of was Bodyguard, Old Man, and mostly Designated Survivor. I haven't seen either uh, all those three. Designated Survivor the most though because it's putting someone who wasn't expecting a promotion in charge, and uh, so it, it, it dealing with them and their family. Yeah, it's a lot like Designated Survivor. Out of all of the shows that this has been compared to, I haven't seen it compared to any of those three. Mm-hmm. I know that Matt Charman, he wrote the 2015 uh, Oscar-nominated movie Bridge of Spies, and he also executively produced the Operation Finale starring Oscar Isaac. It was a film that came out in 2018. It was a historical drama. So I think that he's like he really likes working on these type of TV shows. Thrillers? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, more like political thrillers, I feel like. Mm-hmm. And then also the person who directed the first three episodes, including this one, Lucy Harp Hooper, she has directed uh, different shows that we've done for the podcast, not the specific episodes, though, for like Lore of the Rings, The Rings of Power, The Sandman. She also worked on uh, also acclaimed series like The Witcher and Sight Number 9 and Cold Feet. So and she I mean, only did the first episode here, not all five? Uh, she did the first three episodes. First three. You'd yeah. think that in a five-episode series, though, you'd just stick with one director. Ciaran Hines, the person that you were talking about earlier who looked like Boat Bridges. Mm-hmm. I know I've seen him before in other things. Oh, yeah, a ton of stuff. Uh, Belfast, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2, Ghost Rider, Spirit of Vengeance. He also was in Kin. Wait, hold up. Was he in Game of Thrones? Was he the guy who John talked to over the wall? Oh, I think he was. I think he was yeah. too now. Yeah, now that you say that. He also was in like a acclaimed series like Normal People, Dairy Girls, Hellraiser. So yeah, it seems like they have people behind and in front of the camera. Sure, it's but... Netflix. I, it wasn't a cheap show by any means. It passes if you're if you're willing to give it some time. It just isn't great. I know. You know it doesn't meet that bar where it's like you see all these other uh, thriller shows coming out, all these other adventure spy things, and you're like, which one? If I can only watch one, I would not recommend this one to be okay. that one. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I'll just leave it with Matt Charman, his uh, own production company, Binoculars, producing this series, and he fought to have it shot in London. He was like, no, I want this to be shot in London, and not. And I didn't want to show any places that have been shown in other TV shows or movies. He didn't, because you keep on mentioning it shot in London, and I believe that, but it didn't like use the landmarks yeah, that they almost every show would use to kind of show off London. Yeah, they literally just found street and houses that hadn't been shot in anywhere I else. I guess, but sometimes street and houses just look like random street and houses, <laughs> so it makes shooting on location in London, it, the expense of it, like, is that worth it? Anyways. Actually, do you think that Charlie Cox could be a good Bond? Um, I mean, the guy is a good actor. Uh, I didn't believe, I thought he was putting on an accent for this role. <laughs> I'm still shocked that he's actually English because of, of how well his accent comes off in Daredevil with his American accent's great. I yeah. only asked because Una Chaplin, she played Maddie DeCosta. She uh, she had to go through gun training for this role, but she also said that he, she didn't think that he could play a good Bond. And I've heard <laughs> that he's nice to his workers too, like yeah. the other workers on set, like the crew. So, mm-hmm. so cool guy in general. Uh, thanks for listening. We'll see you on the next episode. Hope you enjoyed this one. Bye. Bye.